Is the minute all right? Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985 Santa Claus the movie. One minute at a time. And Ben, what minute are we on this week? We are on minute 66. And in this minute, Patch and BZ continue their discussion from last week. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot of fun watching John Lithgow and Dudley Moore just interacting with each other. Yeah, they do a very good job. They have very good um, on-screen, what is it, chemistry is what they call it. Yeah, that's the word for it. Yeah, I think that they, they do great on the screen. So our minute begins with BZ asking Patch. But, but, but why me? Because I want to help you. Why? I do love how BZ says, why? (laughs) (laughs) Like no one has ever helped him before in his whole entire life. (laughs) Like he's super suspicious that somebody actually wants to help him. Well, the, the reason why he says it like that is because in the book he said he, he is thinking, um, well, he's very suspicious because in his brain, he is thinking that he, there's no such thing as a free lunch. That's what it says in the book, so. (laughs) So, Santa Claus will appreciate me. I was right. You are a lunatic. Beezy then walks to his desk and picks up a cigar out of the cigar box, which was on his desk that we established earlier. Mm Mm-hmm. Patch then asks Beezy. Do you believe in Santa Claus? Why should I? He never brought me anything. Beezy then says, why should I? never brought me anything that was pretty good huh Uh, that was i nailed it you'll have to leave that take in (laughs) you'll have to put real lithgo and then maybe that was such a good take (laughs) that's because you were probably a naughty boy no i have something i have something for this okay i have something to say about this okay (laughs) so patch says it's probably because you were naughty and BZ, he kind of like does this look, you know, like this, um, yeah, it's like a devilish, devilish yeah, yeah. <laughs> devilish, devilish grin, grin. like, you know, like the Grinch when he's like, has that look, yes. where he's like, yes, I, uh, suppose I was no angel. I guess I was no angel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, this, this is what he is thinking when he is making this devilish grin. His he has a slow smile remembering all of the naughty things he did as a child, such as taking the wings off countless helpless flies. Oh my goodness. Dropping kittens into sewers. Oh my god. And pelting little girls' dresses with oily mud. So he was no Boy Scout. He was a very naughty little boy. It, 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 I was going to say this later, but how it would have been funny if they had connected BZ to the kid who was abusing the cat earlier in the movie, uh-huh. Sarah Foster's little brother, yes. who was a reason that Santa started the naughty list, connected yeah. it somehow. Like, no one in my family's ever gotten anything from Santa, even my great great grandfather and it's a picture of the kid strangling the cat but the book reveals that he's dropping cats into sewers yes yes he is a bad man now i can i can believe that patch is 
pretty naive and doesn't really know how the modern world operates and hasn't interacted with many quote-unquote real people. But I would think the one thing an elf would understand and would probably send up a red flag would be someone who was on the naughty list and admits to have been on the naughty list. You would think, maybe I shouldn't get into business with this guy because he's been on Santa's naughty list. Does the book address that at all? No, but what is intriguing about that is that when BZ says, I was no angel, and he starts doing his little devilish laugh, his little chuckle, mm-hmm. Patch is like, yeah, <laughs> like, like if you watch him, he's kind of doing that, like, agreeing nod thing, like, he, he gets you, like, he understands, oh, you I know got, what I, I mean? I got more, I got... I got more of the vibe that he was just like, that was like an uncomfortable laugh. Like he was just kind of going along with it. No, I got a, I get it laugh, which is kind of odd for an elf. I know that. It didn't, it didn't look very uncomfortable to me. It looked more of a understanding, you know. That that could also be another remnant of the more devilish patch from. Maybe. That we've heard about in earlier renditions of the script. Maybe. Because I I could see a more, you know, villainous patch getting in business with BZ and be like, oh, yeah, I'm me and you. We see we we get it. Yeah. But we're supposed to believe that right now patch is this wide eyed, innocent, naive character. Right. Who doesn't know any better. And he's just bumbling his way into this through misunderstanding. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe this part was written during the old idea. Interesting. Yeah, I kind of like. Well, maybe patches like the. Uh, okay, well, I don't understand why we're laughing, but I'm laughing too. <laughs> but I was like thinking, like, Patch as an elf, more than anyone working with Santa, should know the logistics of the naughty and nice list, and perhaps yeah. I, as an elf, should not be getting tangled up with this guy who. As he admits, has been no angel, and Santa never brought him anything. Right. Well, I mean, maybe he thought, you know, maybe he was like, oh, well, you know, he was a naughty kid, but maybe he has learned his lesson as he got older because he gives toys to kids as, as far, far as, 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 as he's concerned, you know. So BZ starts puffing on his cigar and asks, oh. Oh. What did you have in mind? Just let me use your toy factory. To make what? Patch says he wants to use BZ's toy factory. And all Patch says is... Something special. Mm -hmm. Now this is something I haven't really thought about before until, um, you know, taking notes on these minutes and watching the minute over and over. Patch comes into BZ's office and pitches himself as like, I'm a great toy maker. Mm -hmm. You're a great toy giver. Right. It's interesting that the product that he's (laughs) saying, let's get in business and make, is not a toy. No. Wouldn't it have made more sense? I know I'm jumping ahead, but wouldn't it have made more sense if Patch went to somebody with a candy factory as opposed to a toy factory? Yeah, I I never really understood that (laughs) as to why. But we don't know that yet in this particular minute. But we the don't more know I think what about Patch it. has in his mind. You know, we don't know what he's talking about. But I would imagine he's talking about like an actual 
toy, you know, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't really make much sense. Because, because Pat has obviously had this plan in mind. He had the reindeer dust with mm-hmm. him the whole time. Right. So it's still odd that he would go straight to somebody with a toy factory to manufacture mm-hmm. his something special. Yeah, I don't under I don't understand. <laughs> we will we'll get into more of the logistics of <laughs> of this later, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, so Patch then pitches the first part of his plan. Now here's the idea. First of all, you stop making all your regular toys. Now this gets Beezy's attention. He seems intrigued by this. He is. You can see the wheels turning in his head. Yeah, it almost looks like he's intrigued, but then he kind of gets a little nervous. You know, like this facial expression is kind of like, kind of scared, but intrigued all at the same time. But then he starts. The... Then he starts licking his lips. Yeah, you know he's this... really getting into it. Now this is why he's excited because um, this, as he is thinking in his in his brain, oddly dressed nut had to replace his now notorious and unassailable toy line. So he's very excited to hear what Patch is going to help him with because he can't sell any toys, right? So if he has to give over his one of his factories for Patch to potentially save his whole entire business, he's, like, on board. Okay, now uh, Patch then asks... Well, I mean, I'm sure they're fine and dandy, dandy and fine, but we won't be needing them anymore. Well, be needing them anymore? No. Oh, uh, tell me something. How can I tell all the people about my something special? Advertise. See, in the in the book, um, Patch says, just let me use one of your toy factories. And BZ asks bluntly to make what, which happens in the movie. But then Patch... So something special. Here's an idea. First, you stop making all of your regular toys. And he gestured at the display of scandal-ridden objects on the far wall. I'm sure they're fine and dandy, dandy and fine, he said. But we won't need them anymore. And then that's when BZ was like, oh. Oh. (laughs) Really? Because we do see a display case with some of BZ's toys. or You don't really get a good look at it, but you see it in the next minute. So yeah, that's you don't see it in this minute at all. This does seem to imply, which is also something I find hard to swallow, that Beezy, in 1984, is manufacturing his toys in a factory in the United States. Yeah, I, I don't know why he is doing it in the United States. At this point, aren't most toys made in other countries? I would think so. In the, in the 80s? But, I mean, even today. <laughs> but I, I, get, I don't know. I'm sure he has some way to get cheap labor in New York City that they're not talking about in the movie. And knowing BZ, it's probably through illegal means of some sort. Yes. <laughs> it's probably extremely shady. Yeah, I am sure that it is not something that you should be doing. <laughs> I'm sure they do not have a good benefit package. So that about wraps up the minute, but don't worry, Ben. I do have some Lithgow trivia here. Okay. <laughs> Lithgow trivia to help fill out this podcast. 
but before we leave the movie, you can see a couple glimpses of those framed photos of BZ in the background. I do see him yes. swinging a golf club. Yeah. And in two others, it looks like he's holding, like, armfuls of awards of some sort, maybe? Yeah, I think he's holding awards in, in two of the photos. He's swinging a golf club in one. Or at least I'm assuming this is all BZ. It would have the to one, be. The one above the golf club is him holding a rifle. Oh, interesting. And the one below it, I can't, I think it's fishing, but I can't tell for sure because it's a very odd shaped fish in his hand. He also looks extremely well dressed Yeah. to be I fishing. I can't tell exactly, but it looked like it was a fishing photo. Uh, when I looked at the high definition version, but it's very hard. I don't know exactly what it is. If it's not fishing, unless it's, uh, I don't, I don't know. But it looks like he's holding like a rod in his other hand. So I just assumed it was some sort of fancy like sea fishing, excavation. Exca 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 Excavation? <laughs> Exhibition. Uh, ex expedition. <laughs> Are fishing expeditions a thing? You know, out on like a sea, you know, out on sea. Oh, true. Like an ocean Okay, I, I can go with that. Thing. You know what I'm saying? And, but I can't tell what, I don't know. It almost looks like he caught an eel or something. <laughs> so, I don't know. And then, yeah, the ones uh, above Patch's head, I, I don't know if it's an award. They kind of look like um, like really oversized Polaroid pictures. So I don't know exactly what it is. It kind of looks like he's holding two TVs. You know what I mean? But like really small ones. So I don't know if maybe they're toy boxes or if they're just really weird awards. I don't know what they are. And the one right next to Patch's head, I cannot tell what he's doing. He's holding something. I don't know if maybe it's more awards for more toys. I don't know. I can't tell what it is. But we know those all have to be pictures of BZ. We've seen how the man yeah. decorates his townhouse. Okay, Ben, are you ready for Lithgow trivia? Yep. I'm ready. So, Ben, as you and listeners of this podcast know, in... In the uh, production of the movie, not in the actual movie itself, but BZ was named after Beelzebub, the other another name for the devil. Yes. Not so much in the actual movie, but in the production, the writers, that's how they came up with the name. Yes. Did you know that John Lithgow was originally cast as the voice of Hades in uh, Disney's, uh, what year did that come out? Oh, I don't have it written down. 1997 was originally cast as the voice of Hades in Disney's 1997 animated classic, Hercules. That would have been very interesting. I could see it totally. Would you like a taste? I will uh, I will message you a very oh. brief clip that's on YouTube of some test footage that leaked out onto the internet. Yes! So hang on, let me uh, send that your way, and you can put in the audio in the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Isn't this pleasant? 
I was just supposed to come along as an observer. Right now, what I'm observing is very odd. Just show them in. <laughs> just show them in. I throw everything I've got at him, and it doesn't even... What? I throw everything I've got at him, and it doesn't even... What? And at the end of that clip, you had side-by-side side what John Lithgow's Hades sounded like, and then what we got in the film was when they recast uh, James Woods in the role. So, I think it's very hard for me to make a judgment call, because I'm just so used to... James Wood? Yeah. And... So, John Lithgow sounds kind of funny, but I think that if he came out originally, you know, as Hades, I could totally see it. So, Lithgow spent nine months of production time in the movie. He recorded most of the dialogue, but the filmmakers didn't feel like it was coming together. They'd written Hades as, like, this slick, fast-talking, like, Hollywood agent type, and mm -hmm. that wasn't really jiving with what... Uh, Lithgow was giving them, so then mm -hmm. they recast him with uh, James Wood, who gave him that, you know, like, oh, hey, babe, let's do that, 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 that sort of character. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can see it. And this wasn't the only animated Disney movie that John Lithgow was cast in, recorded dialogue for, but ultimately was recast. Do you know what movie this is, Ben? I think you, I think you might know. What? He was originally cast, it was announced... And uh, he recorded all the dialogue for it for Disney Pixar's 2015 movie. He was going to be the father dinosaur oh. in The Good Dinosaur <laughs> before they totally revamped that movie and like well, had to rebuild it from the ground up. Yeah. Now, that one, I don't think that they recast John Lithgow because they didn't feel like it was, you know filling it, the movie potential like with Haiti uh with Hades in Hercules the good dinosaur was rewritten like 1500 <laughs> times before it was actually released so what John Lithgow did as the father could have been a totally different storyline than what actually came out I was poking around the internet to see maybe there was test footage of John Lithgow as the dinosaur as the daddy I dinosaur I couldn't find any but I found, like, interviews with him from around the time the movie was being retooled. And he mm -hmm. was like, oh, the, those wizards at Pixar, they're going to rewrite the movie, make it even better. And I'm still going to be the father dinosaur. And I can't oh. wait for you to see it. Oh. Like, oh, poor John. <laughs> I don't know if John Lithgow would really be, like, I don't think his voice would really carry the weight of the father in The Good Dinosaur. You know, the good dinosaur's father was a very, um... Like, serious type yeah. character? He's a very serious... You need, like, a really, like, deep voice type character. You know, he's... Like James like, Earl Jones as uh, Mufasa sort of thing. Uh, yeah, you need someone who's very stern and, like, very serious. And uh, John Lithgow, as much as I like him as he plays a, a villain, like, I like him as villains, his voice doesn't really carry over like a strong dominant person it's more of a kind of a sneaky villain not a burr you know and so i don't think his voice would really lend to like a dominant strong father type figure but that's going to be rough going in like i'm going to be in a disney movie i'm going to live on for generations <laughs> yeah. and not one but two disney movies 
Come on, Disney, give him a job. So this sent me down the road of, okay, what other voiceovers? He hasn't really done a lot of voiceovers. Like, has no. he been in any animated movies besides Shrek? He was Lord Farquaad Why? in Shrek, the first one. So he only has two other animated movie credits. He was in, let's see, he played John Claude in 2000's Rugrats in Paris, the movie. Oh, I didn't see that. And he played the role of Maurice the Penguin in the English dubbed version of the French animated film The Jungle Brunch. No, not The Jungle Brunch. <laughs> Hang on, let me say that again. <laughs> the Jungle Bunch, the movie in 2012. <laughs> I, I think what it is is that John Lithgow is more of an all-person actor. You know, like, he's a live-action type actor. Not really a a vocal um, voice-over artist. You know, those are are two different skills. And that led me down... Okay, it's like, okay, I've looked at his uh, animation filmography. And then I noticed, like, I'm noticing a trend here. So then I wanted to know, how many movies has John Lithgow been in that the title of the movie includes colon the movie. So we have Santa Claus the movie, of course. We have Rugrats in Paris the movie. We have The Jungle Bunch the movie. There's only one more the movie movie in John Lithgow's filmography. It was 1983's Twilight Zone the movie. So he has four movies on his resume. That include Cole in the movie in the title. You know, the only one that I think is funny that has the movie after it is this one. <laughs> because the other ones, they all kind of make sense that it would have to say the movie because Rugrats was a TV show. Um, the, what was the other one? The, the, the Twilight, Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone was a TV show. And I believe The Jungle Bunch, it was like a French animated TV show. Yeah, so I can understand adding the movie after those ones. But Santa Claus, the movie, I understand why they did it. But that's the only one that doesn't really need a the movie. Well, you know, it's pretty obvious that it's Santa Claus. (laughs) I know, but their thinking was, we're like, oh, there's Santa Claus, the TV specials, and Santa Claus, the song, and Santa Claus, the Yeah, they were looking down the line. They were looking down the line, and it didn't come to fruition. So it just (laughs) is funny. Oh, Rugrats are in Paris? Oh, it's a movie. (laughs) (laughs) And that's going to wrap up an episode of our uh, podcast here. I imagine once we get out of the office here, they may start getting a little bit longer again. Well, I don't know. I just managed to tack on 15 minutes talking (laughs) about John Lithgow and animation. That's true. That's true. We could have gone down a whole side street of how many um, D23 expos we've been to where the good dinosaur changed at every single one. I think there were four. (laughs) Let's see, it came out in 2015, but our first expo was in... 2011. 2011. And I think that's one where they said, we haven't, we're going to have like the untitled dinosaur movie. Yes. And then the next one in... uh, 2013. 2013. I guess it was only two. 
Yeah, I guess it was. Well, I guess it was three came out in 2015, and they talked about the final. Oh, we, oh yeah, cut. that's right. Yeah. So yeah, because there was there were different versions. The first version it was gonna be like the dinosaurs and the humans still lived. No, the dinosaurs never died off. And they kind of like, evolved. And they evolved, and they were doing all of the jobs as humans would. Which they kind of kept that, because in The Good Dinosaur, they're, like, doing grain and stuff. But, um... Then the next version, I think it was, like, swapped. Like, humans were... Like, the animals and the dinosaurs were, like, the... I don't, I don't remember anymore, but it was all messed up. And it was many different versions, and they never had a name until 2015, I don't think. I think it was like a couple weeks after the 2013 Expo that they announced, like, oh, we fired the original director. Yeah. We're coming in, the movie's delayed, we're rebuilding it from the ground up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it was... Uh, oh, my gosh. I think- I think quite often what happens at D23 Expos, I would imagine everyone listening knows what a D23 Expo is. Oh, I guess we should probably explain what a D23 Expo (laughs) is. Picture uh, San Diego Comic-Con. But But in Anaheim, California, and it's only about things that Disney owns, which at this point has gotten to be basically San Diego (laughs) Comic-Con. It's amazing how much Disney has absorbed since we started going yeah. in 2011. Yeah, it was a lot smaller when we first started going. That's for sure. If anybody told you uh, back in 2011, like, oh, by uh, 2019, The Simpsons will be here under the <laughs> Disney banner at D23. We wouldn't believe you at all. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars we could have seen coming because... Uh, you know, they they were kind of linked together anyway, so that made sense. I think at our very first one, Marvel was so new that they had, like, a thing, like a panel was, like, the president of Marvel comes on stage and says, like, how, what Marvel's all about. Yeah. It was that new. Yeah. yeah. It was Try, weird. Trying to sell Marvel to these Disney diehards. So what I, what I was saying before you had to explain what D23 was, <laughs> it was that I think what happens is they bring these ideas out to the D23 audience, you know, and depending on how the audience reacts really judges what they do with it. You know, if, if the audience is like, yay, then they're like, okay, back to the drawing board. You know what I mean? But if the audience is like, yeah, I can't wait to see that. Then they're like, okay, we got a hit, you know, a winner here. We got a winner. Because sometimes they give us this, these stories and then you could tell by the audience that it didn't really knock it out of the park. And then next thing you know, everything's been scrapped and they're starting all over again. <laughs> and, and it's always funny how you'll see a scene, like an exclusive scene at uh, a D23 Expo during one of the panels. And then the movie comes out and it's like... Not in like, it. <laughs> or, yeah, it's either not in it or... Um, it's, it's like been smaller. reworked. It's like, wait a second. Yeah. I remember that playing out differently. Like uh, yeah. the princesses scene in uh, Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet, which yeah, was a lot Ralph... funnier. It was yes. so much funnier at D23. And well, then... in Ralph Breaks the Internet, that princess scene, 
we saw it, I think, four times <laughs> that D23 weekend in different panels. They were so proud of it. They were so proud of it. And then the movie came out and we saw that scene in the movie and we're like, where'd the rest of it go? <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. And it was like all, and it was all fully done. Yeah. And like, they had like a whole long bit of the princesses. Uh, showing Vanellope oh we're not perfect like Jasmine had allergies and Snow White needed glasses like really thick glasses that made her eyeballs huge and they seemed to like take all the jokes out yeah and then when uh, C-3PO comes into the room that's in the movie but he doesn't do anything he just comes in oh you're on stage next yeah but in but the... at D23, he had a joke. He yeah. was like, like something like, oh, princesses, you know, because like he. Yeah, the princesses were giving him a hard time. I think yeah. it was Belle who goes, we'll be right there, BB-8. Yeah. And then he was like all flustered. He's like, what? What, that? what? what did you call me? <laughs> Work with princesses, they said. <laughs> You've had experience, they said, because he'd worked with Princess Leia before. But that was all cut out. I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, we loved seeing that scene every time that weekend. And then... It, like, killed in the expo. Yeah, it, like, blew it the did. roof off the, Everyone the uh, convention center. Mm-hmm. But they really trimmed it down. <laughs> oh, man, we have really gone off the rails here. We'll just talk well, about... I mean... We've been waiting... We've been waiting to talk about D23 Expo on a podcast. If only Disney would buy Santa Claus the movie. You know, originally, our very first podcast idea was going to be about D23. We would have we, we, we would have bet on the wrong horse if we had uh, <laughs> if we'd went with that because it was canceled. It was going to be in 20 uh, uh, this year, 2021. Yeah. I had to think for a second, but because yeah. of COVID, it got bumped ahead. It's every other year in Anaheim, usually yes. on odd-numbered years. Yeah. So they bumped it ahead currently if the world stays on course. If it doesn't go downhill again. <laughs> it should be in September of 2022. <laughs> so, Ben, where can people find us if they want to talk more about Santa Claus, the movie? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Santa Minute, or you can email us at SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of our episodes... For free!